Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, it's a rainy Friday, but you know the soccer world's moving on. We've got a lot going on uh, coming up in February. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I feel like the last time we recorded was only seven days ago, yet it has felt like it's been three weeks. Yeah, January is like the longest month of the year. Yeah. Like not it, literally by days, but it just feels like it's just long. It, it's it's crazy. Like as far as like me starting a new job during the week as well. Uh, this week, find out I have I'm I'm getting ankle surgery on Monday. Like it's been a crazy it's been a crazy week, and it's it not even like, over. And I'm not even done with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like we were at the convention a month ago. It doesn't feel like it's only been two weeks. I know, right? Yeah, no, it's it's been insane. So, um, but no, but excited to be here. Excited for for the next couple of weeks. Record registration is up and running. Discovery yeah. registration is up and running. Let's go. Um, numbers are looking good. We're starting to build up. Uh, I think we have about a hundred registrations in each program, and we still have about two months until the first week. I think we got exactly. more than that. I think we got more than the rec registration. We may have. I haven't checked oh. in since like Wednesday. But oh yeah. no, we're we're at like three hundred kids, man. There we go. You better, you better, you better go in there and sign up right now before it fills up. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't want to miss out on this. Um, we've got a lot of kids coming out, a lot of fun. And if, again, if you know somebody that wants to give back and coach, always looking for coaches to help provide support for our young athletes. Um, we will give you all the tools you need. We'll give you the tools. We'll give you a ball bag. We'll give you equipment. We won't stack your team though. You've got to build your own team. <laughs> you do you want to be the next Pep Guardiola? Start with our rec program. Build your you, gotta start, you gotta start at the bottom. Work your way up. Yeah. It's like FIFA, right? You can't just you just can't just roll in and just go to city. You gotta you gotta start in like that lower division and then work your way you gotta, up. You gotta earn you gotta earn your keep. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's exciting. Uh that starts April 2nd is our first official day, right? Yeah. yeah. April 2nd opens up the games. So you yeah. have to register, you know. By St. Patrick's Day. So that way I can't I register April out. 1st at midnight. So you ain't playing April 2nd. <laughs> Don't call me either. Um, no, that's exciting. And then we have our next Diamonds tryout. Uh, it's February 12th. Um, so make sure you you go f- for all that information it's in general, DelawareUnion.com. But um, social media for the Diamonds at DE Union Diamonds on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, make sure you check that out. Make sure if you want to play, come, come and come and check yeah. us out. If you're on the fence, you know, you're thinking about, Hey, I think I want to be a diamond. I think it might be too high of a level. I don't know if I can do this with a time commitment. Just come try out. Yeah. We can get you more information. We can, you can meet the team, um, and see if you fit, you know, I think that that's the best way to come out is just to come out to the tryout and we'll give you good feedback and give you the opportunity. Even if you're a high school player. Yeah. Think you want to take that step to see what it's like to play at the college level. Come on out. Yeah. Make sure you go on our website and register. Um, so exciting stuff. Uh, today, we do have a really cool interview that we recorded at the convention. Uh, this interview was with Marcelo Antonelli. He is the owner of Soccer Powered by Futsal, and he's also an academy coach for Orlando City. Um, and in this, con- in, this, in this interview, we get to talk about futsal and what how it relates to soccer. So some really, really cool things uh, that Marcelo talks about. So we'll, we'll listen to that now. Uh, Marcelo, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about you? 
Good, good, good. All right, so Marcel, uh, first tell us about what you do at Orlando City, and then we'll we'll dive into the book. Well, I was hired as an assistant coach for the MLS Academy. So basically, the players are looking to try to play the professional team on MLS. Uh, but mainly the reason why he hired me was to try to make a project to integrate futsal and soccer next year. So our teams start at U15, but the plan would be like starting summer of 2022, start U14, U13 and U12, integrating both sports. So what is that integration like, futsal and soccer? It's a great question, very complex question, because there's many, many different ways to do it. And in every reality, it's a little different. But let's talk first about the principles, right? The, the pillars of soccer power by Futsal are two. One, an integrated development of players, thinking about individual and group tactics, as well as techniques. And I can give you some examples of group tactics in a little bit. But the second principle is use the richness of individual and group tactics and techniques from futsal to develop soccer players. So kind of answering the question, this is, those are the principles of it. Now, how to apply it, of course, it's gonna depend on the reality, right? If you're in a club that trains twice a week, or if you're at Orlando City, we're gonna have the ability to train five times a week. So of course, that's gonna look different. So for us, in our reality, okay, according to our project, for the 12, basically the kids will be playing five times a week in the afternoon. So it would be two times futsal, two times soccer, and one time street soccer. What's street soccer? Basically, we're gonna set up activities for them, set up an environment for them, and they can go there and have fun. So those are known burning hours, meaning kids can play and, you know, sometimes, oh, five times is too much. Well, it's not too much if they're having fun, right? So it's really balancing out how many of those five days, how many of those times they're actually following and reached instructions about learning something, how much they're having fun, how much anything in between. Um, so you grew up in Brazil. Correct. Right? I grew up in Argentina and, and one of the things that happens in South America is when you're younger, uh, you play indoors at times or you play outside, and, but it's usually small-sided so it's a lot of ball control. And one of the things that, and that you showed us a video, and one of the one of the players in the video I recognize because he's from Argentina, Cunaguero, and his ability to turn with the ball, right, under tight spaces, be able to turn and use those skills that he probably learned when he was younger. So, are you trying to bring some of that because that's something that at times doesn't happen in the U.S. The idea of just pick up soccer, playing inside, or just playing for fun. Yes, again. There's many different ways to do that, but let's go back to Aguero. So, he probably growing up in those environments, in futsal or even street soccer, had the ability many times to be like back to his defender and had to find ways to solve the scenario. Now, it might have happened by he himself looking at other players, by just playing the streets and creating those answers, or maybe coaches going over those different techniques and tactics. So, many different ways, but the thing is, that environment on the futsal courts or on the streets or in small side games helped him a lot to develop those skills and maybe that's we could call that individual tactic as well and use and apply that in the soccer field so there's so many of those things so that was one video I can show you guys quickly before this interview um, of course I can say the website right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. if you go to YouTube soccer power by futsal 
and you're gonna have like a playlist of all those different skills and tactics that from futsal can make a difference on the soccer field. Absolutely, because I think I think like futsal, it, it's tighter. Like it's less players on the field, but it, like like Sebastian said, there's a lot of emphasis on ball control and really those one v one skills to make the outdoor game better. And I think one of the things that helps with futsal is the the importance of the number nine, that striker. Can I move off the ball? You know, there's no offside, so there's a lot of movement off the ball to be able to create spaces to, to create that attack and generate that attack. So on that topic on the book, I divide in five different parts. Let's see if I can remember all five at the top of my head. Find the target. So you create scenarios or under pressure and you have to use different skills to find the target. Then the target movement. What does the target play? And by target we mean any player that's back to the goal on the field. So it can be the center forward, can be an attacking me that's back because there's pressure on him. Okay? So the movement that the player does to receive the ball. And then there is the technique wing. Sorry, then the runs towards the target. So not just be watching the target do it, but the runs from the players. And then the target capacity to turn or to connect passes. And finally, the connections that are made. So the point I'm trying to make here, saying those things, is that so much detail that you can get in futsal with so many repetitions of that scenario. Now, can you do the same thing, same training in soccer? Yes. But it's harder, especially at the youth level. You know, the, they might not be able to find it pass, the ball's gonna bounce around, while in futsal they have so many chances to actually practice, change of directions, change of speed, make a second runner. In futsal you can get it done at 12, 13. And the kids have fun doing that, because if they do that well, they score a goal right away. If they defend well, they counterattack and score a goal right away as well. Yeah, I think our, kid, our, our kids definitely enjoy playing futsal, because like you said, there's a lot of opportunities to score right away. And there's a lot of good that comes out of those opportunities where in the 11 v 11 game, you win the ball back, you still have to travel 60, 70 yards to create an opportunity to maybe score. But in futsal, it's very fast paced, you create a lot of goals. Where do you see, where have you seen the growth in the sport in general, futsal? Um, I'm not sure if I can actually answer that question that well, to be honest. One, because I've, for 10 years, coaching college in America, soccer. And my focus was always, okay, how can I translate those things to the soccer? So my entire focus was that in America. And then also answering that question in the perspective of the United States or the world, right? Because, for example, in Brazil, to be very honest, lately futsal has not been growing much. But let's put the things in perspective. Futsal has been a huge part of Brazil for decades, right? In Argentina, where you're from, probably futsal is growing because of the results, right? And um, just talking to the coach from the national team here, and I played with some of his friends. Um, from 20 years ago, they would have a hard time playing Brazil. Yeah. But right now they play evenly and also beat Brazil in the World Cup. In America, I think there's every time more clubs, so that's, I, I don't really have the numbers to give you a precise answer, but I would say this. There's every time more soccer clubs trying to use futsal to develop soccer players. Um, but I really don't know to which degree people are really using futsal in the right way. Meaning, normally, what we hear about futsal, always oh, just about, you know, you get the ball and you juggle around and you make those crazy skills. Why are there so much more to that? And that's why I decided to do everything I'm doing. Because yes, it's great to do crazy skills with the ball. I'm Brazilian, I love watching Ronaldinho, it's wonderful. But the reality is Ronaldinho is Ronaldinho, right? Neymar is Neymar. Um, in general, it's gonna help with everything, with um, scanning the field. 
So if you're working in a futsal rotation, players are moving from one place to another quickly. So I don't know if you're on my left or my right at this point. So unless you put my head up, I'm not knowing where my teammates are. Now you're tight space. So you need to make the change of direction to get yourself free. Now because the court's better, in terms of it's more smooth, more easier to control, you're more likely to be working on those change of directions because it's more likely that I can play the ball to you. So I know I'm going a little technical tactical here. No, that's but, great. But there's so much more to futsal than people think there is if you actually teach it in the right way. Now, that in the perspective of also futsal just for fun is also great. So as I said before, there's a mix of it, right? A mix of controlled content to create an ideal environment for training and also giving the kids the chance to just go play, have fun, fall in love with the sport. Now, do you think there is a... Do you think at the... So when we're looking at the Orlando City Academy, do you think there's a potential integration of this idea with the older players and even at the pro level of just using it as, as part of the training environment? Yes, that's my goal. <laughs> now, of course, I'm talking about an MLS team and you talk about the pro, you, you got to prove your point. Now, let's put things in perspective here. Look, who is the coach for the professional team? Oscar Pareja. He's from Colombia. I actually had a, an hour chat with him about this and he loved the ideas. And he said, well, Marcelo, I grew up playing micro football yeah. in Colombia and I know all the technical part of it. And he even said to me all the time, I showed you a little bit, showed him a little bit of the tactics, and he said, that's look great. We need, to, we need to go more into that. So of course, I'm gonna show him more, more time, how it could apply to his system, to his players. But yes, over time, but first, I'm gonna start from the base, show that to the 12s, 13s, 14s. Me working assistance at the U15, U17, there are already ideas from futsal that apply directly on the soccer field. So that's another thing. Futsal can help soccer, not just by playing futsal, but also ideas, technical, tactical ideas from combinations, from set pieces, from turns that you can bring from futsal to soccer field. So that's what we're doing, right? I, again, I'm an assistant for those things. I talk to the coach, I show those videos. I, sometimes we have like a, uh, during the week of training, we have some days where we're more towards the small side of the game, small combinations. That's where we apply most of this. And then we transfer to the bigger picture when you play 11 v 11. What about, so let, let's let's break down the positions a little bit more. So the goalkeeper, let's let's talk about the goalkeeper for a minute. How important, or what is the role of the goalkeeper and how does that translate into soccer? From futsal to, to soccer, and the, what are the, some of the differences there? All right, so you cannot see because of oh, radio, oh, but I'm holding a book about it. Yeah. And that was a, a goalkeeper. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's first give examples, because people like examples first. So. Ederson, yeah, probably the best in the world with his foot distribution. Yeah, he's pretty good. Question: What did he grow up doing? Playing futsal. Playing futsal, playing futsal with futsal tactics with the power play. He's a goalkeeper, so he had from young ages to use his feet to pass and even to shoot and score. Now he's not scoring for Man City, but he's playing those 80 yards crazy balls behind the defenders where he needed before the driven ball on the ground when he needed and the short ones when he needed. For them, it's normal. He grew up with that. Alisson from Brazil also grew up playing small. On the female side, Alini, that was the second goalkeeper for Brazil, uh, she was my athlete in futsal until she was 17. Just to give examples of my culture using Brazilian players, but on the men's side, obviously, they're very knowing. Yeah. Um, we divide the book in four major areas. Saving, covering, 
curating and leading. So I'm gonna try to give one minute of each. Saving, especially when it comes to 1v1 scenarios. There's so much from futsal. If you go to YouTube again, you go goalkeeper playlist, they split, there's an example of the technique that's very common in futsal, used both as a block or as a reaction. Okay, so also your time and reaction. Also how you get closer to the, the, the forward quickly, how your ability to steal a ball when the forward's about to finish the scenario. In futsal happens so often that the keepers from young age are doing all that. Covering. Now new futsal techniques like the 4-0 attract one team to play behind. If you think about soccer, what teams are doing? Making every time more compact and high and applying spacing behind. So the goalkeeper has this role of having to get out of the box and try to cover someone. So it helps with that as well. And then creating. Well, I just talked about Ederson with his foot. So I already gave the, the, the example. Yeah. Creating is, institutes a culture in the keeper. You know, the goalkeeper is not... From early ages in soccer, you can use your keeper. But let's be honest, it doesn't make too much sense at eight to be playing the ball back and play rotating the ball around. In futsal, your red does. Yeah. In soccer, it's gonna make sense later, but if you try to work on that when you're 13, 14, it's already late for motor development. And eventually the leadership. Since the futsal goalkeeper is involved in everything, in every action, you already develop a certain kind of leadership in all parts of the game. Not just in defending, but also in creating, attacking, organizing everything. Not that you could not be a leader in soccer without futsal, absolutely not. So many goalkeepers were outstanding leaders, but it affects a little bit Especially in terms of creating, you have the technology because you're part of it. So kind of change your relationship with your defenders around you because you work as an organism, work together in your model of play. So from there we move on. So what would be what would be a natural a natural formation if we look at it from a tactical standpoint? You have your goalkeeper and where do the other four players fit in? To, from, a, from a tactical standpoint? Are there design, the specific roles that everybody plays, even though there is a lot of transition in the game? And you want to compare it to soccer or just in futsal? Both. Okay. Both, yeah, yeah. All right, so in futsal, okay, so in theory, those are the positions. Goalkeeper, then the fixo, which is your defender, yep. center defender, and then the alas, yep. which should be your wings, so which being your soccer, your left back, left mid, or left forward, whatever left. And then your target play, your pivot, that will be your attacking mid and also your center forward. And the same more than one position in soccer because you have to do more than one role if you compare. Now, so there are positions, however, there's a lot of interchange. So players are overlapping, exchanging positions all the time. Um, the good thing about this is, I'm gonna make an example. I've coached so many soccer players that at the age of 13, if I ask him to defend, he's gonna say, Coach, I'm a forward, I don't know how to defend. I mean, if you're playing futsal, from early age, you're gonna know, hey, are you to help defending as well, or are you not gonna play? Yeah, absolutely, I think, that, I think that's critical, because that is something that's common, as a forward says, I don't have to defend. But, the important, like you said, the importance of futsal, everybody has to defend, everybody has to attack, so your defenders, even your defenders have to attack, score goals, even your goalkeepers attacking and score goals and creating. That's so critical when it comes to the outdoor game. And another problem I see often in the outdoor game is this. Okay, I'm a left back. So the coach wants to be super specific. Hey, this is my model of play. I'm a left back. That's what I need to do. I would stay wide. I want to get at the ball. And you're going to play this ball there. And you're going to make this run. Great. Awesome. 
But if you're U9, U10, if that's all you're learning, you're not going to be able to play in a different model of play to develop skills necessary. Now, when the kid's older, they can learn the model of play, but the motor excision and the mental capacity to give quick decisions, that's going to happen better if the players learns how to play outside, inside, exchange position, back to go, and that's something futsal offers to you. At some point, that player is going to be back to go as the last man forward, sometimes he's the last man in the back, sometimes he's going inside the court, sometimes he's outside the court. So you're preparing the player for all those different things that will help developing motor skills, decision making, and adapt to whatever mode of play if this player is going to play high level one day, if this player wants to be one day at the Orlando City Pro Team to follow exactly that model of play. But in terms of development, especially at young ages, we should be very careful about specializing too much position or role. Even if it helps win games, though, and that's tricky. Right, right, right. And that's yeah, tricky. That, that is, it's definitely tricky. I've done that. I, I'm guilty. I've done that. Yeah. You know, to win games, I had a U13 team. I was not very good. And hey, you do this, you do this. Those two stay up. We play the ball long, and we win the game. Yeah, and parents want it. And you know, it's complicated now because if the kids are not the level, they're going to be professional one day. Maybe it's fair. They just want to win the game. Maybe they don't want to yeah. develop for what? If they're not going to play college or professional one day. What are we developing for? They want to have. So that's a completely different discussion, right? Yeah. But uh, it's important to keep things in perspective because you always think about developing the next national team player. And I'm writing an article about that in, in development versus winning, right? It sounds great. So, well, I coach to develop and not win. But we got to be careful about that as well. Depend, depending on who you are, like at Orlando City. Well, everybody wants to win, right? Let's, let's put that out there, right? No one's yes. playing to lose. Everyone wants to win. I think it's a matter of the, the fine line of... I, at, at what point do you jeopardize the development of a kid just for this one specific result? Exactly. And, and, and that you, can be complicated, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you said the national team, like, there's, what, 28 guys just got called into the U.S. national team camp. 28, right? There's 50 states. So your odds of being called into that national team are very slim. So it is about winning. It is about having fun. It is about, you know, enjoying and learning something new, learning those different skills because... Again, your percentage of getting called into the national team or going professional, even though there's pro leagues all over the world, are very slim. Yeah, that, that's very that's a very complicated subject. <laughs> so yeah. you brought up you brought up parents, uh, and, and I want to ta- touch on this real quick. So where do how is the communication to the parents? Because I feel like this is it's it's a little bit of a different mindset at times, right? It's it's learning something new, right? It's it's learning something. So how is how is that communication? Well, in terms of integrating futsal to soccer, and is, that's why I made a YouTube channel, that's why I wrote those books, that's why I wrote articles about it. It helped me a lot with that. Because people hear different things from futsal. They hear, oh, futsal is great. Yeah, but you know, the players are going to be learning just to stop the ball off the bottom of their foot, and in soccer, it does not work. Which is not true. It definitely it's works. It's also not true if I say it always should be for bottom of your foot. No. Every technique applies in certain scenarios and not in certain scenarios. Whatever we're talking about, it can be finishing goal. What's the best technique to finishing goal? Shooting? It, but yeah, but what's the best technique to, to, to score a goal? It would depend. Yeah, Are yeah. you five yards from the goal? Are you four yeah. yards from the goal? Yeah. Are you under pressure? Are you not under pressure? How much space do you have? Now, it's the same for those futsal-specific techniques, those non-conventional techniques. They are good in certain stances. So it's about learning when they work, when they don't work. So we, we use videos 
going to answer your answer now, your question now, use videos to show that to parents, to players, to say, hey, we are working on all those different things. And as you're growing up, you're going to be learning how to select when to use one thing or another. Or futsal combinations. We show the combination, the parallel in futsal, we show the parallel with Tottenham with Lucas Moura scoring. Yeah. Oh, cool, that's how they're doing. So it helps a lot in the communication for parents and players when they see at high level the examples of what we're doing in the futsal court. Well, I think we, and I think the U.S. at times has gotten into this habit of like, are you the biggest, fastest, strongest kid? And can you run? Are you athletic? Boom! Let's put you on the soccer team, right? Or, or let's try to let's try. To, we just we just saw the we just saw the kid that just got right, signed for Real Salt Lake. He's 14 years old. He's six four, 183 pounds, right? So he's a big kid. But I look at I look at players from Brazil, right? You look at you look at a Hulk. Um, you look at Hulk. You look at Ronaldo. Uh, and Hulk has his his nickname for a reason, right? Yeah, but the guy can the guy can move, right? The guy can play. So we'll we'll take a quick picture here. He can lift too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulk, well, Hulk is he's a different he's a different breed. I don't think they make soccer players like Hulk. But but that's my point, right? So I think part of it is right. So when you look at players, um, like like again, Hulk, um, uh, Adriano, right? Adriano, when he used to play for Brazil, right? These aren't like your target nines. There weren't the guys that were the tallest guy and couldn't turn, right? No, they had. Incredible foot skills. Talk about receiving with the with the sole of your foot and turning a player. Right, we were talking about or that earlier with Aguero. Right, turning a player. So all these skills can all apply when it comes to soccer, and I think that's what what Marcel is doing here is, is fantastic. And let's not discount Aguero either, because um, I, I had the pleasure of watching Aguero play for Manchester City in person, and it's just surprising to see how actually like big this guy is. Like he, he's a muscular, strong guy. Listen, one of my favorite players is Carlos Tevez, and he his ability when he was younger to just like quickly turn his hips. I think the hip movement is something yeah. that that I admire from watching futsal. Well, that's something Keith Tozer likes to talk about: how the the physical aspects from futsal help in soccer, uh, especially in terms of agility, change of direction. Because many people don't think about you know it's not as physical as soccer. However, your change of direction, your reaction, your quick fit. You don't have to be physical, right? You just got to be quicker. It's just a lot of fast pace that so, you don't have to get beat up on, right? Exactly. So it doesn't work everything you need for soccer. No one's saying that futsal covers everything for soccer. But it can be a great tool for development. By the way, Adriano, he's big, man. I had the chance when he was playing in Italy. He was playing for Inter. Uh, yeah. for Inter, And that was the captain of my futsal team. He was very friends with the captain of the Inter team. So I had the chance to watch him a couple of times and to go dinner with him. <laughs> that dude's big. Yeah, he was but he strong. could play, right? And he was so good. He was so and good. He probably him. grew up without. The, and I'll be honest, if I, I don't know too much, I know he he grew up in a very poor neighborhood in Brazil, and I'm pretty sure he played a lot on the streets. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and and those are the types of environments at times of like you you're playing to at times survive, right? You're playing you're playing for money. You're playing for 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 some food. You're playing for dinner, right? Like there's there's stories of. of of Argentinian players that that would play in tournaments and that would that was the thing that was what they would they would try to make a little money you know Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Alves Daniel Alves yeah. had some crazy stories he really he was really really poor uh, and what he had to do to practice my favorite player right there, there, there you go Danny Alves man that's my guy right there that's why at 38 years old he can still do what he can do 
it's he, loving it. And that's loving the game too, right? At 38 years old, you know, on a redu really reduced salary, not getting paid nearly as much as he's worth as a 38 year old. I don't know how much 38 year olds should be getting paid, but he just goes out there, he has fun, he enjoys what he's doing. Yeah. He knows he's inspiring somebody else. So, Marcelo, before we let you go, can you name your three favorite soccer players of all time? Now, obviously, Marcelo from Real Madrid is probably in your top three. But outside of him, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like this. Uh, actually, <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with Marcelo. <laughs> there was one game in his life he really played bad. I'm not going to mention the game. Please, guys, don't mention that game because no one can talk about that game. I can tell off air. I'm not, not going to say what game it was. They must have been playing Barcelona. No, 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 no. No, no, but no I, I think I know the game. You probably know the game. So uh, I, can't, I can't forgive him for that day. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to say a guy that took Brazil twice out of the World Cup. Zidane. He was so incredibly good, and you know, he, as a Brazilian, I hate him. I hate his playing, not his personality. I hate yeah, yeah. playing against him, but he was outstanding. I'm gonna make an example, another crazy example for me as a Brazilian, Schumacher, goalkeeper from Germany, because he inspired me to play in goal. I was like a six-year-old, and he was playing, and and I remember the speakers in Brazil, I was six-year-old, just say Schumacher in goal, and I don't know, I just liked it and started to play in goal since I was six years old, and. That changed my life. And I guess the third one, I'm gonna say Garincha. You guys know Garincha? Yeah, I know Garincha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, if you're if you hearing this and never saw his tapes, just find something. It's just yeah. hilarious watching his play. That was, he played with Pelé in the World Cups when yeah. Brazil won the initial World Cups. It's, it's just so much magic in that. And you know, the methodology that I have is a little more organized than how soccer was at the time. But again, I'm a big lover of all those skills and that flair as well. Well, Marcelo, before you go, tell us once again where everybody can find soccer powered by futsal. So, honestly, if you understand like how we're spelling it, soccer powered by futsal, you type it on Google, we're going to find our website, our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. Uh, my personal Twitter is Mar, M-A-R, Antonelli1. Just find soccer private futsal. You type it down, you're gonna find there. There's free videos, free articles showing the transition. If you're a coach, you wanna see the uh, how to apply that, then you have books there as well. Perfect. There's, there's lots of different things. All right, Marcelo, thanks so much for stopping by the. It was a pleasure, guys, to meet you guys. Good luck. Hope to see you guys soon. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, Duane. Um, so we were talking about futsal with, with Marcelo. Uh, we're talking about the relationship between futsal and soccer. I do want to talk about futsal for a little bit. Um, so two big futsal tournaments are going on at the same time, which is exciting. And they're both being shown on TV, which is even better. Um, so you may have caught it on, on Fox Sports. So the first one is Copa America. Uh, futsal Copa America is is going on right now. Uh, all 10 South American countries are competing. The group stages have finished. So we're, we're on to the semifinals, and those are happening tomorrow. Uh, Argentina and Brazil are playing each other in the semifinals of the. You guys always play each other, man. It's great. Futsal, soccer, women's soccer, tennis, water, water polo, equestrian. They're always <laughs> playing each other. So, yeah. So, Argentina plays Brazil tomorrow, and then Paraguay plays Colombia uh, tomorrow as well. And then the finals will be probably on Sunday. So, futsal is an interesting sport. Uh, there's two groups of five. In the in it was two groups of five, 
and uh, every one team ultimately always had a buy a buy buy game day, but there was games basically every day. That's so cool. yeah, gotta love it. That's like the one thing that I missed from like when COVID first happened, when there was literally sports on all day every day. Like you started off with like the MLS is back, yeah. Then like the NBA would come on, and then like some other sport would come on. Like it was awesome. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of rest going on in futsal. Uh, literally like 24 hours or less than 24 hours, and you're back at the court. So yeah. So looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully, um, we'll get to interview, um, Nicolas. Uh, Noriega, who is the assistant coach for the men's national team for Argentina, and he's also the head. He's also the head coach of the women's futsal national team. Um, shout so out to we'll, Luis. Shout out to Luis for the for the help there. So we'll hopefully get to interview him uh, when they come back with hopefully uh, the get get the sweep of the year or get the sweep in the in the three hundred and sixty five days Copa America men's national team, Copa America futsal men's national team. I want to set up a scrimmage with the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, that's fine. Which one? Oh. Both of them. The the Argentina Argentina beat the USA futsal men's national team in the opening of the of the World Cup in the last year and set uh, the record for the largest win in a futsal game in the World Cup. It was 13 nothing. Uh, so well, we're prepared now. <laughs> you you didn't make me go play in the cold, Minnesota? Yeah, you're gonna make me <laughs> play outside. Out, out outside futsal. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's that's happening at the same time. Um, over in Europe, the Euro futsal futsal Euros are going on. The semifinals also happening there. Um uh on Friday, actually today. Uh so Portugal and uh Russia. Sorry, Portugal and Spain play and Ukraine and Russia play. Portugal being the reigning World Cup champion uh for futsal. Uh, so those are the four countries that are going into the final. Yeah, uh, and if my math is correct, we're recording this a little bit earlier, but Ukraine and Russia are about to kick off about forty-five minutes. My math is correct. Probably. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not up to date on Amsterdam time, but if I go by the six-hour rule, yeah, you're you're probably right. Yeah, you're you're probably you're probably kind of on the close. Yeah, you're probably close there. So yeah. So, yeah, so some exciting futsal going on. Also, so that fi- that final is going to be played on Sunday. Um, and the other final that's going to get played on Sunday, it's the AFCON final uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock, Senegal and Egypt playing. Senegal beating uh, Burkina Faso and Egypt beating Cameroon, the host nation. Salah versus Sané. Yes, Salah versus Sané. Egypt winning in PKs, Cameroon... <sighs> going i mean it was three to one in the pks so shout out shout out to Jurgen Klopp, man yeah so yeah so it's exciting stuff shout out to liverpool and like Jurgen Klopp. i don't know how he does it he's, he's got an afcon champion he doesn't have to play the game he's got an afcon champion <laughs> um no it's a it's a really exciting stuff um which is funny because he he plays on sunday as well uh for the fa cup uh, but he plays earlier in the day, so he's he's got enough time to. So you think anybody's flying over and flying back real quick? No, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um. So yeah. So the Afcon finals are on Sunday. So make sure you catch that. Um. All right. Let's talk about the Conmebol qualifiers before we go to the Concacaf qualifiers. Conmebol qualifiers. Hold on. One thing. One thing. Yeah. 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 
Did you know that all of Egypt's goalkeepers' first name are Muhammad or Mahmoud? Yeah. All four of them. Yeah. So what do you think they call you think they call them by their last name? Can't just be like Muhammad come here because like they just, they just call them by their number. The number? Yeah, just call them by their number. Sorry, I was just looking at their roster. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, so uh a lot of movement in the uh not as much controversy as we last week when we we're talking about the Ecuador Brazil game. But a lot of movement in the table. Well, obviously not in the first two spots. Argentina and Brazil or Brazil and Argentina are still first and second. Ecuador is still in third place. But because Ecuador tied against Peru, it's kind of opened the door to make some things a little interesting. Um, Uruguay sneaking up into the fourth place, fifth place right now for Peru. Chile two points behind. Colombia only two points behind them. And then behind them is Bolivia. And then, uh, so everyone's really two points behind, um, starting from Peru down to Venezuela in 10th place. Um, but Argentina getting a huge win at home against Colombia. Uh, this Colombian national team is probably one of the least exciting teams to watch in a long time, considering the amount of people they have playing, um, out of a generation of really, really good players. It's very, very sad. The door is shut. It's like Belgium, right? If they don't do it this year, that door is just going to close. I mean, they're they're potentially not making the World Cup. I mean, the granted, door. you're you're really talking about a roster, a heavy roster of players that were in the last World Cup, and probably in the one before that as well. So it's a lot of it's a lot of the same players. A lot but, of them were young. That first that first time in 2014, a lot of them were young players. Yeah, that was their first like big time. You know, champ or big time like international experience, but like, but still, I mean, it, it, you're talking about a team that, it, and that's a weird part about Colombia over the last. Um, you're talking about a team that has not scored a whole lot of goals, um, in the last like qualifying games, they have not scored a goal since beating Chile in September. So so far, they've played one two three four five six seven games without scoring a goal you're not gonna win soccer games like that it's a lot of games i mean i thought i thought falcao was balling he was but it's still it's a lot it's a lot of games without any sort of goals happening so um and and when you look at it you you they don't have a bad team i mean um Cuadrado is playing Luis Diaz, who is who is going to who just got signed by Liverpool um, from Porto. Um, it just they got um, the wrong Luis Suarez on their team. <laughs> they do have a Luis Suarez on there. I, I mean, you got Davidson Sanchez. Like they, they don't have a bad team, but it's surprisingly enough just very difficult for them to score goals. Uh, Rodriguez doesn't get it. Doesn't get mentioned. He's not good enough. I, Hamas is there. Hamas is absolutely there, but it, just again, there. they're just they're struggling. Uh, Yimichara did not make it into this game. He did play against the other day, but um, so yeah, just, so that's just an MLS superstar. Yeah. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the the Combo Bowl. Or sorry, let's talk about Concacaf. Um, about Concacaf. I mean, it's depressing, sad loss against Canada. And a goal in the first six minutes, which you expect. I mean, it was a bad game. Um, but then 
I don't know. I mean, yes, exciting that the U.S. beat Honduras, who's the last place team and has zero shot of making the World Cup. But realistically, I, I mean, got to be able to perform against Canada. I mean, like, really, like, I know. I, I know before before we even move on from to the gameplay part of it, like just flat out, I I one hundred percent disagree with the fact that that game was being played. Canada, in, in, no, the Honduras game. Oh, why? The Honduras goalkeeper couldn't come back on the field at half after halftime. Okay, but when we go down to Mexico City and Guatemala and Honduras in the middle of the summer and play at twelve o'clock, we no. don't complain. No, that's different. We we never complain. That's different, man. It is different, and it's different to come all the way up north. I mean, that's but this isn't. Is. But this isn't safe for either side. Matt Turner was absolutely not enjoying this himself. He like, plays in. He plays in New England. He should be used to it. He was wearing a parka halfway through the game when the when the Honduras player was injured. Because he was that cold. Like, no. I, I, you can't play in that kind of weather. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. It makes absolutely no sense that they did that. It's dangerous. It's flat-out dangerous. So where you want to play? In Texas, where it's it's closer to their climate? I, I, it's, that has, it had nothing to... Like, I don't know. I just... All right. Next time, we'll go... You know what? Logistically, we could go play in Detroit. They've got a dome. And we can go play in the dome. I don't I don't care if you play outside in 30 degree weather, just don't play negative 14 weather. No, that's not it's not humanly safe. It's not safe. Berhalter's got to prove a point. He's got to get this team to the national team. They gotta be prepared to the uh, World Cup. They gotta be prepared. It's not safe, man. It's not safe. You don't see you don't see people going out there in in that kind of without the proper clothing, which soccer players ultimately do not have the proper clothing to play in negative 14 degree weather. They provided the referees and the Honduras players with gear and tea and cider and heated benches. But what about the players on the field? You're working up a sweat. No. We got to move off the ball. Get caught standing around. ask, ask, Ask Christian Pulisic, who was covering his ears two seconds into coming into the game. Hey, he's from Hershey, man. It gets cold up there. No, no. It, listen, the U.S. players didn't enjoy that game. Nobody enjoyed that game. I mean, oh. Tim Weah said he's retiring next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, I mean, the U.S. gets the win, um, which is good. It gets you one step closer to where you're trying to go. Um, I still think the fact that Canada beat you the way they did is, is still. They're a one-trick pony, man. Yeah, problem. What's the, best, what's the best thing that Canada has? They got forwards that are fast and that but you know run. what though the, you know what canada canada i think right now canada has a bigger chance of making out of the group stage in the world cup than the u.s does absolutely because they're going to just they don't care they're going to it's not kick and run but they're going to get the ball to their forwards and those boys are running 1v1 and they can score goals yeah like all what is it kyle laren tejan buchanan and yeah. who else jonathan david and Jonathan David can all score goals. Like they've proven it on all of their teams. Yeah. That they so. can score goals. It'll and definitely when be. Davies comes back. He's joining the attack from the left side yeah. out of the back. And he's flying. It'll definitely be interesting. Um, so You're it'll be interesting the for the, the last three games. Um, it'll be an, inter- an interesting 
dynamic for sure. See what oh, happens. I hope they put Christian Pulisic at the nine. Um, score some goals like Aaronson and Weah set out wide. Yeah. And get rid of Paul Ariola. But let those two sit out wide. Find somebody else that can run out there. Yeah. Call Conrad. Cap Conrad. Conrad's back? Oh, yeah. Conrad's back. They got to bring somebody in that can play on the wing. But I think you put Pulisic as the nine. I'm not going to use the other word that goes in front of the nine. <laughs> you play him as a nine. <laughs> not the other word. Um, All right. We good? Maybe you stick Gio Reyna out wide. Maybe. Is he hurt? He's he's rehabbing. Okay. So funny story is he's rehabbing. He wasn't available for call-up. Christian Pulisic hasn't even been training with Chelsea. He got called up and played all those minutes. I mean, he didn't start against Honduras? Okay, but, they, but the Club World Cup starts next week. Yeah. And he's going to Dubai. No, actually, Jay- the Club World Cup technically already started, by the way. First well, game for the, the yeah, well, those are for the teams nobody cares about. Hey, nobody hey, knows. I'm, I, I mean, the Al Jazeera won their game four to one. Okay, who they play? Uh, Pirai, name a player on both teams. Uh, yeah, exactly. On um, Pirai, Robbie, Robbie. Oh, no, that was no, no, that was an own goal by the Al Jazeera player. Whoops, my bad, exactly, exactly. <laughs> The Club World Cup starts on Wednesday when people know who's playing. I'll even give you Palmeiras that, like, when they play, people will actually start to tune in. Um, yeah. But Chelsea's schedule is about to get packed with the Club World Cup, FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League. I don't yeah. know if they're still in the Carabao Cup that's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right. And then before we move on, transfer yeah. deadline day was crazy too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Barcelona picking up more forwards that they potentially don't need. Now they have three, four players for only three spots in the Europa League. So somebody's got to get left out of the roster. Um, and that person already got left out the roster. Who was it? Danny. Danny Alves got left out of the. Oh, wow. So Junior gets the call up. Danny gets left out. Yikes. Hmm. So they only have one right back on the roster. Well, you still got no. You got you got. Um, Sergio Roberto's hurt. No, um, they Arajo. Arajo Arajo can play there, or Minguez can can always slide out there too. Yeah. So yeah, Danny Alves got left out. I mean, what's Dembele doing? He can play right back. He got put in to the team. That's what the controversy was like. Why well, Dembele if he's being frozen out? Over Danny Alves. Well, no, because you could only you could only add three players in. Dembele uh, was already. You can only add three. Already. He was already in the original roster. That's why. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. Bomiang going to Barcelona. Matt Turner officially going to Arsenal. Yeah. Matt Turner. Uh. Manchester City signed an Argentinian guy from River Plate. But he's oh, I bought him on FIFA. He is a baller. Julian Alvarez. Yeah, he's a starting winger on my team on FIFA. He's a uh, baller. Yeah. yeah, he's uh he'll he won't join he won't join City until potentially June or could be extended into uh um over the summer into over the no into the after the World Cup. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. So because the Argentinian season is gonna go through doesn't that go through the summer? The Argentinian season will have a two week break in between. And then it'll keep going. So it'll, yeah, it, yeah because they're two short seasons. Yeah, I was going to say it makes sense because, like, if he comes in the summer, what's he going to do? Not play? 
<laughs> yeah, well, well, and then the Libertadores is also happening as well. So yeah. in the middle of that, so but yeah. Brendan um, Aaron shouldn't be a rumor to be moving for a big move, like thirty million dollars. Where? Either RB Leipzig or Leeds. They didn't the deal didn't get done. Brendan Aronson could be on the move. All right. Cool. We'll be on the lookout for that. And then uh one one more. One more. One more. Josie Altador is on the move. Oh my god. Where's he going? I guess where? Thank US men's national team and the MLS. Former manager. Well, I mean New England? Yeah. Oh my God! Bruce Arena is trying to start a team of ex-U.S. men national team stars. Well, didn't, isn't Bob Bradley at Toronto now? Is Bob Bradley at Toronto? I think so. I think that's isn't that where you went? I don't know. I think I think uh, Mark and Analytics Department is filling us in right now, and they are confirming that he is a head coach and sporting director at Toronto FC. So, so he's going to coach his son. Yeah, but he's giving the boot to Bradley or to um to Josie. All right, can we move on? Yeah, we can move on. All right, we can move on because I don't want to talk about Josie outdoor. Sorry, Josie. Don't not not not. Uh, yeah, we spend too much time on this podcast. Podcast talking about Josie outdoor. Uh, I do want to talk about fair player or player of the match. Uh, my player of the match. Do you want to go first? Good. Oh, okay. You already you already got it. Um, my player of the match is is not is not the happiest of player of the matches. Uh, it's it's somewhat sad. Um, so Alexander Lampis uh, passed away this past week, uh, 21 years old, uh, playing in the third division in Greece. Um, five minutes in the game, he had a he had cardiac arrest. He had a cardiac arrest. Um, and uh, the ambulance took 20 minutes to get there. There's no defibrillator in the entire stadium. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away. So uh, it always takes something catastrophic for people to make changes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's like so, part yeah. of the, being a youth club in America is you got to have a defibrillator. Yeah. So those those are little, the little things that I think matter a lot, especially on this day and age. So costs. Yeah, so uh, so uh, fair play the uh, player of the match goes out to Aleko. Yeah, uh, who's yours? Mine's goes out to the U.S. men's national team for taking care of business, except for against Canada. But again, Greg Burhalter, if you want to call me, we could talk tactics. I think you put post look at the nine, play that game a little bit different. Um, just try to. That game honestly just turns into a counter, counter versus counter. Just try to counter the other team. But doing well this this uh, last um, round of qualifying, so good momentum going into that last group to finish in second place because you scored more goals. Now you broke the tie with Mexico. You have more goals scored. So if that was become a tiebreaker, you get that second spot and hopefully avoid a tough group in the World Cup. I mean, you can really only avoid a tough group in the World Cup if you're ranked in the top 10 or top, yeah, top eight. Yeah, but isn't it like, don't they do it? It's like the top 10 and then like the winners of each uh, nation. 
Yeah, I think like I think, the different pot, you know how they do the different pots. Yeah, yeah. So you can be a yeah, the group leaders are the top eight or top ten or whatever it is. So we'll find out more uh March. We'll get closer. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out when the we March, get closer. March, but I think, I think that's that's important. If we can yeah. finish second, like we don't want to be playing like Germany and like you don't want to get in a group of like Germany and Brazil. Like you want to get in a group with like Finland and like is Finland going to the World Cup? No. Finland and China. Oh, China, dude, the Chinese national team supporters are upset. They lost to Vietnam. They were upset. Because they can't have any players with tattoos anymore. That's why. <laughs> they were upset, man. They, they're not feeling a national team. <laughs> um, all right. On this day in history, in soccer history, uh, 2006, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to give it out to your, to your cousin. Thierry. Thierry Henry. What is he doing? Scoring uh, goals? Scoring his 200th goal uh, for Arsenal. He's the only player in Arsenal history to reach that mark. Uh, 200, 228 goals in total. But on February 4th, 2006, he scored his 200th goal against Birmingham. And, you know, there's nobody in Arsenal's team that's ever going to catch that mark. I mean, yeah, Aubameyang was one of the longest standing players, and he just left, so he he ain't doing it. Yeah, start over. Yeah, start the clock over. Br- bring Giroud back. Um, you, he ain't even close. Uh, all right, fair play of the week. My fair play of the week goes out to Manchester United, uh, because of the stuff that was going on with uh, Mason Greenwood. Um, they Manchester United said that if you bought a Mason Greenwood jersey you can come in and exchange it for a different player's jersey. So, so I have an amazing Greenwood jersey. You know, the Ronaldo jersey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Ronaldo jersey sales are going up. I'll just go get a Mason Greenwood jersey so I can trade it in. Get, <laughs> I would not buy a Mason. I would get it on clear. Like, I'm just getting a $25 jersey. I would not buy a, a Mason Greenwood jersey if I was you. No, nah, I wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to Manchester United. Also, man, shout out to the interesting move that all the Manchester United players unfollowed him on social media. Yeah, nothing to do with them. Hopefully, Phil Foden unfollowed him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't be involved with in that, uh, Phil. Don't don't be. You know they were in trouble in that in the English national team. Yeah, in Iceland. And yeah, don't be doing that, Phil. Um, so yeah, so hopefully, hopefully things get resolved, and hopefully, uh, if Mason Greenwood is guilty, he is um, rightfully punished. So both Manchester teams have a player, or as you could say, former player. Player still in the books that is now facing jail time. The, Manchester City has Mendy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mendy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's actually like in jail now. Yeah, yeah. Like he got convicted. He's in jail. Sorry. So bad stuff, man. Just, just do the right thing. Um, all right, who's your fair play of the week? <laughs> My fair play of the week is going to go out to the folks over at CF Shorts Toyota in Dover. <laughs> if you want to buy a car, go check them out. Um, no, seriously, it's a good family-owned business. Um, a lot of their children have played soccer in our club, either at CDSA or Delaware Union. Is it the new sponsor for our podcast? We could get them a sponsorship. Um, I know people. It's funny. My girlfriend, Hillary, does not know people there. Um, the people she mentioned no longer work there. <laughs> the people I know that no. I like, coach. You have, you have shorts? Is that what it is? Shift Schwartz. It's right, right across from old DUP. 
um, down so in Dover. Big, big shout out to them for being able to hook up Dwayne, getting a ride so that way you can get to practice. Uh, yeah, I stuff. mean, like, again, their kids all grew up in our club, CDSA or Delaware Union. So, there you go. That's what we want. Family owned businesses. Family owned businesses. So, yeah, even though their kids are grown and have outgrown the club, you know, they still show, they still pay homage. There you go. Perfect. Um, all right, good. Well, yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's let's get that going with the sponsorship. We'll we'll, we'll you know podcast sponsored by, and we'll get we'll get you know what is it? You know, Dan, you know Dan is Toyota. No, wait, what is it? Just a dealership. It's Toyota. Yeah, Toyota. Dealership. Perfect. I I drive Toyota. Let's go. There you go. Let's go. Let's get it going. Um, so it's funny. So one of the guys that worked there played soccer with me in high school. My, my salesperson goes, "Uh, is he good at soccer?" I'm like. Flat out, like, no, this kid wasn't good. So he was like, yo, like, you're so mean. And he asked him, he was like, were you good at soccer? He was like, no, I wasn't good at soccer. That's funny. Um, no, that's good stuff. So good. good. Shout out to them. Um, maybe the, our future sponsor. Um, so make sure you follow us on social media, uh, on Instagram at DE Soccer Podcast, at D Soccer Podcast. Make sure you follow us on, on Instagram. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to. I know we picked up a lot of new followers over the last couple of weeks. So welcome shout out to, to Coach Nick. Yeah, shout out to Coach Nick. Shout out to uh, all the players from Wilmington University. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>